Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. We should have known that after all of this time, our first real big breakthrough, not discounting everything we've done this year, but our first breakthrough to a current Red Wing would happen uh, not because of us, but because of Mika. (laughs) (laughs) You posted that video and I had this moment of glee and then this moment of just like, sordid introspection where i was like oh no this is the easiest cheapest thing in the world and it's just gonna go off for those of you who haven't seen it go to brad's twitter or the podcast account and uh find the video of mika watching at uh the athanasiu highlight reel a wood 40s athanasiu highlight reel uh and cheering because she loves athanasiu and that's real like brad will come out and say it but just so you guys know this is genuine i'll say it it's real mika runs around constantly screaming Athanasiu's name uh, has gotten better at saying it, which is more than can be said for a lot of announcers in this league, um, but genuinely loves Athanasiu. Love, loves watching hockey, loves watching the Red Wings, loves Athanasiu, cheers for goals. I mean, isn't smart enough yet to know the difference between YouTube highlights and uh, a real game. So that'll be a harsh reality for her. <laughs> um, otherwise, he would cost a pretty $12 million with the rate at which she thinks he scores. Um, but no, it was a very genuine, very real video. And then within the hour, Athanasiu had retweeted it and quote tweeted it. <laughs> so I wasn't thinking about any of that when I posted the video. I just thought, oh, this is a cute video of my daughter. I'm going to throw it up on Twitter. And then, uh, who was it? Carly Johnston quote tweeted it. And I'm yeah. like, why do I recognize that name? And then I clicked on her profile. I'm like, oh, right. She works for the Red Wings. Oh, right. She works for the Red Wings. <laughs> so I'm like... Yeah, and then she, I think she, well, I think I had Athanasiu tagged, and I think she tagged him as well. I'm like, oh, he might see that now. Yeah. And then I texted you the screenshot. <laughs> yeah, I was skating with Meek, and Ryan sends me a text like, I forget what you said, and I just looked at him like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, well, and, and just so you know, this is a big deal, uh, just because I like to investigate things. The last, this is Andreas's second tweet. In three in two years. Oh man, I was gonna. He say- had this tweet one in October of last year, and then his last one before that was February 2017. It's all for Mika. It's a hundred percent for Mika. Uh, you know what we have to do now is recreate that video with Evan sitting in a high chair, <laughs> <laughs> tweet cheering the exact same way. The o- the only downside about Mika's love for Athanasiu is it actually does get a touch frustrating when we're watching a, a live game with her because she knows he's number seven two. So, mm-hmm. like, she looks for him on the ice. If he's not on the ice, it's just a constant stream of, where's Athena to see you? Daddy, where's Athena to see you? Is Athena... Mika, he's out there. Where? <laughs> so, it's like the equivalent of, come on, Abdul Kader. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just... I said that, and I tried to get that line out before I sneezed. Yeah. This is... You know what? That, to finish. <laughs> if you guys want uh, the advantages of a podcast that are backed by, like, you know, professional companies or professional media outlets or whatever. They have a producer who can edit out sneezes. And as I'm sneezing, all I think is, well, that's making it into the show. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I am childless Ryan Hanna. I am a proud father. Of? Two. A minor celebrity. Uh, and uh, useless baby. Henrik hasn't done anything. 
The only good thing that he's done in terms of this podcast, you gave it to him, is his name. Is a Red I should have included him in that tweet somehow just so the Red Wings, because I think the Red I think I saw that the Red Wings official account liked Athanasius tweet. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, if I could have just worked in that I named one of my kids Henrik. That'd have probably got me some brownie points. <laughs> it'll it'll get out eventually. Oh, I'm gonna plan one for tonight somehow. Uh Evan is alive. We've confirmed he's alive. And back in the country, I believe. We just casually dropped to him when we were recording, and he said so much to catch up on still at work. But I didn't know he was in town yet, so. Catch up on and work is, I'm pretty sure, just a 40-ouncer of Corona. Yeah, absolutely. That's You stopped at the duty-free on the way home, and you got some cheap booze. He's, he's elbow deep in a Rita Cornita right now. Oh, no, he's elbow deep in a Labatt. Is what he's elbow deep in. Labatt. Oh, no, he finished off the Labatt days ago. <laughs> And on that note, this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is sponsored by the Labatt Brewing Company. Celebrate with Labatt Blue and the Detroit Red Wings all season long. You can find your specially designed cases of Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light at your local retailer to hashtag Cellion with Labatt Blue. Keep your eyes peeled for limited edition uh, team cans. Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light, official Canadian beers of the Detroit Red Wings and of petty Red Wings fans celebrating the firing of former Red Wings coach and now former Toronto Maple Leafs coach. Mike Babcock. Mike, Jeff Blashill outlasted Mike Babcock. What a time to be alive. Jeff Blashill. We joked about this. And I think it was in like the last 18 months when we were like, oh, man, this might actually happen. And then once Blashill survived the transition from Holland to Eisenman, because anytime there's a change in uh, GMs, like that's a pretty susceptible point for uh, coaches to be fired. He survived that. And I just went, oh, my, it's actually going to happen. And it did. Mike Babcock fired how many weeks into the season? Is this six? Something like that. And ish. Uh, all right, let, let's talk about this decision first of all from a um, hockey point of view. So just you know, objectively, we're not Leafs fans. We're just talking about the Leafs. Do you think they made the right call? Yes or no? Yes. I was expecting this to be a more divided decision, and I'm actually really surprised by the amount of unity uh, from Leafs fans, but I agree with you. Um, I think this is the right call. And I, I'm not saying Mike Babcock's a bad coach. I was sad when he left Detroit. Um, I was upset for for jealous reasons. Um, guy won a cup. He has a pedigree of success, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it was fairly evident that he uh, did not have the faith of his team any longer. He very publicly clashed with his general manager, Kyle Dubas. Um, their their philosophies and their you know policies and analysis didn't align. And I think it was just a matter of time. And then when you have the start that Toronto's having right now, I mean, they are legitimately like Ottawa-level bad right now in terms of the standings. They are one point ahead of Ottawa, and Ottawa has a game in hand. They have a worse points percentage than the Ottawa Senators. And I know Tavares has gotten injured, and I know Marner's injured, but... Yeah, you you have a super team. <laughs> you still have talent. Yeah. The beauty of having a Matthews, a Marner, a Tavares, and a Nylander is you can lose half of them and still have two of them. Yeah, it, there's really no excuse for how poorly they're playing. And then you can, you look at so many different statistics, like the last calendar year spanning different seasons. So if people want to say, oh, it was just the start of this season where he was bad or this team's been bad, it's like, no, it's it's been quite some time now. Like they have not been playing at a, a playoff pace. And right now, essentially, the Leafs would have to play at a record-setting pace. That is, they would have to play at a pace that supersedes or surpasses their overall points record in a season 
to make the playoffs. Yeah, because last year the cutoff to make the playoffs in the East was 98 points. So to get to 98 points, the Leafs would have to play at a 108-point pace. Which is three points greater than their overall record, I believe. Yeah, the, fran- the Leafs franchise record for points in a season is 105. Is it crazy that, first of all, that, that is nuts to me, that the Leafs, their franchise record is 105. They have not a single 1,000-point score in franchise history. Yep. Well, if you look at most of, if not all of the greatest players in franchise history, none of them played their entire careers with the Leafs. Well, I mean, no, Phil Kessel's in Arizona now. <laughs> right. Actually, that's not even ironic. Like, I'm, he's genuinely one of the greatest Leafs of all time. And it's crazy to think that, like, looking back at it, people forget how long Matt Sundin played for the Quebec Nordiques. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Daryl Sittler finished with the Red Wings and the Flyers. Uh, Keon was with the Whalers. They they just don't get the level of loyalty that the Red Wings get. So this is the ha. best iteration of the Toronto Maple Leafs, arguably in team history. Actually, I don't even think you'd find a lot of argument for that. And so for Babcock to start Post off expansion, um, you know, fourth in, in the wild card race, I think it is. So Pittsburgh and Philly are in right now, and then uh, Buffalo and Toronto are the next two. Ottawa's right behind them. Tampa can pass them. New York can pass them. Columbus can pass them. New Jersey can also pass them. The only team that couldn't surpass them in the East with games in hand is Detroit. I think it's justified. You cannot have this team with the amount that they've mortgaged to give to to get the assets and the resources that they have and be a non-playoff team. If you're second in the division, third in the division at this point, that's fine. It's a long season. But you're this far out of the race this early, something's got to change. Um, well, friend of the podcast, uh, Mike Blake McCurdy, had a nice little statistic that uh, after the Vegas game, after the Leafs lost to Vegas on Tuesday night, they are now statistically more likely to miss the playoffs than to make it. And that was the game that pushed it over the 50% mark. If you had to put 50 bucks down one way or the other, which way would you put it? I'm putting them on the, I'd still put it on them making it. You have to. Not only are they just an insanely talented roster. They're going to get the boost of a new coach mm-hmm. and the Eastern conference sucks. Yeah. I, there is definitely not eight teams in this conference better than them. You, you get the new coach boost. And I think that's a huge multiplier for them. Um, and this then, has got to be some kind of record with the new coach. We'll get into it though, but G, this is now the third team in which Kyle Dubas has been the GM and Sheldon Keefe was the coach. Oh yeah. OHL with the Sioux, yep. AHL with the Marlies, yep. now the NHL with Toronto. That, there's no way that's ever happened before. This was predicted from day one with Kyle Dubas the moment he was brought on. This was actually predicted before Kyle Dubas was even made GM when they blocked his uh, move to Colorado. Um, and it's kind of, with such a big machine like Toronto, the center of the hockey universe, this is the kind of thing where <laughs> it's not going to stray too far from the obvious path. Um, but back, back to Babcock. Back to Babcock. Look. One of the greatest coaches of the generation. He can work tomorrow if he wants. People are giving me shit for saying that. The guy could genuinely work tomorrow if he wants. If uh, the GM of if Brad Tree Living in Calgary called Babcock's agent and said, you have a job in Alberta, start, like, we'll make this switch, and he wanted to do it, he'd be on the bench by Friday. Or whenever you listen to this the next day. Um, I don't think Babcock will do that. I think the... Toronto media circus is exhausting and I think he's been through the ringer and despite the fact that I think he, he relishes it a little bit he's going to take this time to think and I was listening to 31 thoughts on the way over and I think Friedman put it a good way or might have been Merrick 
he's gonna go hunting and fishing as as Babcock does. So um, just gonna take some time and uh, collect my thoughts and uh, go go hunting and fishing. That's what he's gonna do, and he's gonna come back. I don't know if he'll coach again this season. I'd be surprised. You know what a, a likely outcome might be, or a possible outcome is Seattle. You think that'd be that'd be fun. You think about it. That'd be that would be a good landing spot for him. A fresh team, a cast of misfits, and probably won't be talented, so would have to play a defensive style. I I can't speak too much about Ron Francis's um, you know style of GMing and how it would align with Dubas's versus Lamorello's or whatever Babcock's used to. Um, but if I'm Babcock. If you're exhausted by Toronto but still want the prestige of a, of a big market, which Seattle's going to be, um, you get to take a year and a half or however long off more before you behind the behind the bench for an NHL game. Uh, but you're still at the forefront of the coaching circle. Uh, you don't lose any of that reputation. You don't lose any of that prestige. That might be the move for him. He gets some time to spend at the cottage up in Muskoka. And then actually, I don't know where he has a cottage, maybe Michigan. Probably both, actually. He made $6.5 million a year. Um, For three more years. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think he has a ton of options. I'd be surprised if he went the route of never coaching again. I don't, that's, oh, no. that's always entertained, but I think he loves it too much. He'll coach again. And for his sake, I hope he gets a very uh, a team that is stacked from the defense out. Because I'm not going to say he was a bad coach, but he was the wrong coach for the Leafs. And that was going to be my question for you. His stubbornness is what got in the way. Yeah, He tried to fit a round peg through a square hole, and it didn't work. You can't play Cody Ceci on the top pair. You cannot try to play low-event hockey with the Leafs as they are and win. You have arguably four of the, what, ten most talented offensive players in the Eastern Conference? World. <laughs> you need to play. Now, running gun hockey doesn't always work. But it works sometimes, and that team was built for it. Even your top three defensemen are offensive defensemen. Muzzin, Riley, Barry. Tyson Barry is the perfect example of how Babcock systems weren't working. That is a dude who was automatic for 50-plus points every year, and he's got he's on pace for, what, 30 this year right now? If that, and there already is talks about maybe a trade for him because it's just not working, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And don't forget, they gave up Nazem Kadri for this guy. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's it's hard to say. Like, I, it still amazes me that he he just refused to adapt. Now, whether or not he could adapt, because hey, maybe he's never tried an offensive system in his life. I don't know, but it didn't work. Because again, twenty fifth in the entire NHL in points percentage with Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. Like it, it they have. I'm not saying it's true, but you could make the argument the Leafs have four or five players than any one player on the Red Wings. Oh, yeah. You Are you? I think I would say Larkin would be the fourth best player on the Leafs, but you could make a case for Nylander or O'Reilly. You, if you look and at... And Frederick Anderson in net. For, who's been a... There's just too much talent. Yeah. If you want to boil it down to one moment, it's game seven of last playoffs against Boston for Toronto. And uh, not putting... Marner out there for more than what was it, eighteen minutes, seventeen minutes? It was Matthews played eighteen or sorry, minutes. Matthews. Marlowe, I think, played more than he did. Marlowe played uh more than he did and when asked about it, he said, Well, Patty's had the experience and uh, he's been there before, so we want to put him out there. Like that that kind of shit is what did him in. Um I get that that's a, a coaching philosophy. I think it's pretty outdated. It, that's my opinion, mind you. Um but Dubas and Shanahan must have been banging their heads against the wall when that was happening, and there can only be so much of that. 
Uh, I was actually surprised they didn't do it in the off season. Um, I didn't think it was going to last longer than this next off season because I didn't think Toronto was going to, you know, I don't, I didn't think before Babcock got fired that they were going to go far in this next playoffs. Who knows with Sheldon Keefe, but yeah. Now, do you have anything else before we pivot to the, how this is Red Wings? Related? I was, I was going to say, imagine this be, being a Red Wings fan. We we've been complaining for years about like up until this season about Athens and Mantha's deployment. And really, when it affected nothing, because the team was going to be bad either way. Imagine if that had happened in Game Seven for us. Oh, we'd have lost our minds. It would have been rioting in front of the LCA. And you knew there was going to be writing in the wall. The writing was on the wall for Babcock a while ago with how many public spats he had with Dubis. Yeah. And the fact that ever that Dubis literally took away all of Babcock's toys. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to play Roman Polak twenty-one minutes tonight? Cool. He's in Dallas now. Ron Hainsey, 28 minutes tonight. Oh, we haven't offered him a contract. Oh, Patrick Marlowe more than Austin Matthews. Yeah, we just sold him to Carolina. We actually gave up a first to do it. Yeah, he literally took away all of Babcock's toys. And Babcock's always had his toy. Don't forget, this is how Luke Lindenning exists in the NHL right now. Mind you, we love Luke. We love Luke, but he would have probably never been an NHLer had it not been for Babcock. Yeah. Um. So, man... Great with systems on the right team. Awful with personnel because we can make fun of Toronto all we want. The the exact same crap was happening his last few years in Detroit here where the Glenn Dennings of the world were getting close to 20 minutes a night, whereas we were like scratching and clawing for you know Nyquist at the time, I think, to play more than 15 minutes a night. So uh-huh. this isn't new for him, and now it was just amplified to the extreme. The thing that came out immediately was i mean the, the the take from the red wings twitter universe was one i i put out a video of uh uh like it was just like a meme reaction video of like red wings fans being petty about it and like please guys don't read too much into this we're just <laughs> this isn't about red wings fans and so we have the the liberty and the license to just like poke fun at it and go to bed knowing that it's not that serious um but then we immediately pointed uh, attention to the fact that Blashill outlasted Babcock. Okay, there was a lot of spirited discussion on a, on a matter where I thought all the points were pretty obvious and didn't need to be restated. Yes, Blashill's in a different situation. Yes, Babcock had more pressure to win. I think everyone knows that. I don't think you shouldn't read too much into Blashill or Babcock based on that comment. It's just a fun observation because we don't have to care about it. But the the substantial discussion that did come up, and I, I am going to call it substantial, is would the Red Wings entertain the notion of uh, Babcock coming back to Detroit? And this is assuming Babcock would even want to come back to Detroit. And my first thought is, well, we already have Babcock light in Detroit. I'm not sure why we'd, why we'd want to go to the full strength <laughs> Babcock. Because um, I don't think it's quite worked out. Like you alluded to, Brad, his latter years in Detroit weren't entirely popular um, with fans and with the players. Fans still wanted him to stay. I, I wanted him to stay by the end. But I mean, as things rolled out later on, we realized how many of the issues uh, kind of spread towards the players as well. I, don't, I just don't see why anyone would think that that would be a good fit, right? Because it's worked here before. <laughs> it sounded like Crystal was agreeing with me upstairs. <laughs> oh, she would. I, that's how I found out she actually texted me while I was at work that Bob mm. got fired. Um well, it comes down to the bigger question. Do, do I think the Red Wings should entertain the idea? Absolutely, they should. Every candidate that's out there, they should entertain the idea. If you're not looking at every possible avenue, you don't deserve to succeed. But then you could ask, very legitimately ask the question, is Babcock as good of a coach as he gets credit for? Because he had a lot of success in Detroit. Those were 
basically all-star teams. He's had a lot of success with Team Canada. Those literally were all-star teams. The last team that really, I can say, overperformed under Babcock was probably the 03 Ducks. Now, there's an argument to be made. Well, yeah, but he won a cup with Detroit, and it's not easy to win a cup. And you're right. I would have argued between 2005 and 2010, Detroit should have had more than one cup. But it's hard to win a cup. One out of five years is still a fantastic ratio. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to complain about that. But that team, I think, probably would have won a cup had Mika coached it for 10 years, if we're being honest. If you think about it this way, we have Marc-Andre Fleury to blame twice for Babcock's shortcomings. One... Uh, in 09 for the save, <clears throat> which Babcock was the coach of that team. And uh, just the other night when he made the save of the year, uh, just right before, a day before Babcock got fired. Although apparently what um, Friedman was saying is Toronto had their mind made up after the Penguins game. Yeah, yeah. So it didn't matter. It's a fun narrative. I'm going to keep going with it because now Fleury has killed Bla- uh, Babcock twice. Someone, I can't remember the name of the Twitter user, I want to say David McKinstry, uh, tweeted at me, his old boss had a picture, or had the flurry save tattooed on her arm. And I've never hated someone more without meeting them in my entire life. And I read the news a lot. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't think it's there for Babcock in Detroit. I think a lot of teams you'd be surprised would be... Um, kind of stepping out of contention for that just because of maybe his reputation of being too tough on players. And, and this is two different situations now where that's kind of followed him around. Uh, after Babcock left, there were some very public comments, one of them from Henrik Zetterberg talking about um, how he wore on players. I think it was pretty public that uh, Nyquist wasn't a big fan. Tatar said Babcock's really hard on him, I believe it was. Hoodler was another one, right, that uh, it kind of wore on him as well. The small, skilled players. Yeah. It's not say again, I'm not saying Babcock is destructive or he loses the locker room wherever he goes. No, the guy does find success, but um, it's a definitely a different style, a very pronounced style of coaching that doesn't fit in everywhere. There's been a lot that's come out of the woodwork, and I think you have to be careful about times like this because um, a lot of times it's people just trying to opportunistically dance in someone's grave. Um, but there's been stories that have come out of the woodwork to kind of support this notion that Babcock is a tough coach to play for. Uh, Phil Pula apparently never loved playing for Babcock and nixed a trade from Tampa to Toronto um, because he didn't want to play for him. And instead, he ended up accepting a trade to Philly. This is back when Toronto was uh, willing to take on his contract uh, in exchange for picks, like they would get picks back. Um, so imagine going to the Philadelphia Flyers instead of playing for Mike Babcock. Um it, these kinds of stories are everywhere. I mean, actually, what am I giving you an example for? Go to a Mike Commodore's Twitter account. <laughs> oh, God. I would love to have him on the show. That might be the angriest place on the internet. Mike Commodore's Twitter. I think he's thrilled right now. Oh, yeah. It might be the happiest place on the internet right now. Yeah. Man. He hates him so much. Why? Have we ever got the story as to why? I don't think the full story. I, I think just generally what's publicly out there Has is... Has Commodore ever played for Babcock? Yeah, in Detroit. Oh, I forgot we had we had Commodore. That's where it all started was in Detroit because it was right. something like he convinced Commodore to sign with Detroit. I think it was a sign. Uh, he, he would get ice time as a seventh defenseman and he just constantly got sent down or sat and... Uh, he gave him his word and Babcock. This is all from the mouth of Commodore, mind you. And I'm paraphrasing heavily. So if I have this wrong, please feel free to correct me or tweet at my Commodore and have him come on the show. Um, 
we he went back on his word and my commodore just has had nothing but great things to say about him since it is poignant to say the least it is absolutely rampant rage at mike babcock colorful is the he was having least. a field day he, he i think he said he's like i was planning on having a quiet night but nope sorry this is i've been waiting for this for years he just did not hold back he, i've never seen two people in the hockey world or one person hates someone else in the hockey world more than mike commodore hates mike babcock it is absolutely nuts Wow, hysterical to watch, and I des- desperately want it to talk to him about it on this show. It would be our most uncensored version of the Winged Wheel podcast, and we've had Darren McCarty on here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it, it's that was funny to watch. I think everyone was expecting it. Uh, I have to go remind myself when Mike Commodore played for the Red Wings now because I'm drawing a complete blank. It was. Babcock's last season, Dude, second When you season? Google Mike Commodore in the autofill, the top comment is Mike Commodore Babcock, and yeah. then Mike Commodore Twitter hockey. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's his whole existence on Twitter. Is started and is based solely around, or mainly around, uh, Mike Babcock. The whole pack your shit movement, I think, started with Mike Babcock. I'm not sure. Um, funny, funny read. It's definitely a lot. Like, sometimes I'm just like, man, this is a little bit too much rage for me, but no, it, it's it's been funny. Uh Along the Jeff Blashill notes, we've talked about why Babcock might not be a good fit. Uh, I've talked to a couple people in the know, and the notion is that the Red Wings as an organization are generally pleased with Bab- or with Blashill right now. They feel like he's done a decent job with development, and they really, really, really strongly acknowledge the fact that he has never been given a fair crack with a good roster. Um, and so all they care about is having him develop and grow. Uh, Eisenman came out and actually defended Blashill, I think like a month ago or just a few weeks ago and, um, talked about how he thinks he's doing a good job with what he can do, which is just development. The Red Wings, uh, are not a good team. Everyone knows that. I think Steve Eisenman, that's one of the first things he realized when he stepped into this role, um, and he's not expecting victories from Jeff Blashill. He's expecting development. And in their eyes, that's happening. I wouldn't be surprised to see them pick up the second-year option on Blashill's contract. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, we've been having this argument for five years. Is Blashill a bad coach or is it a bad team or is it both? And do you know what answer we've come to? We don't know. Not enough data. Yeah. Need more data. But the Red Wings are going to be bad for a while. So. so you won't know for a while. If yeah. they make a change in that time, I'm happy. If they don't, I'm happy. It's the le- it, much like goaltending right now. I know people harp on goaltending quite a bit too, and, and that's fine. I think that's a valid thing because the goaltending does suck. Uh, I just can't think that that's the number one priority right now for this team. That's a priority for a successful team. Goaltending and coaching are two priorities for a team that's supposed to win, in my mind. But if you have a team that is just absolutely a dumpster fire in all other five positions in all five other positions, then those are your five priorities through the three forwards and the two defensemen on the ice in front of the goalie and playing in front of the coach matter more in terms of what you have to focus on. Come on. What are you talking about? According to uh, the analytics, the Red Wings have the 10th best top six in the entire NHL right now. Yeah. But where does their goaltending and uh, bottom six and defense play? I don't know where defense and goaltending, uh, Stack on the Gar scale, but the bottom six forwards are 31st. Yep, that sounds about right. Yep, so an amazing top six and dead last in bottom six, and that is surprising absolutely nobody. 
Now, uh, Robbie Fabry will save us all. Yeah, well, let's actually talk about the last game. The Red Wings played the Senators um, on Tuesday night, which was last night. Nope, two nights ago. How to not defend 101. That was the quintessential what this team is going to be on their best night this season game. Sorry, not their best night, but on the average good night this season game. Um, Robbie Fabry produced... Anthony Mantha produced. Philip Hironik looked great. The rest of the team was atrocious. Hironik had a goal, two assists, and two points. All right, Brad. Landmark moment. I agree. We did it, folks. (laughs) I just watched that, and I was just like, holy shit. They're taking that goal away for that. Yep, for a guy who did not impact the play in any way whatsoever, we had a goal disallowed, and hence why anybody who caught on, I said a goal and two assists for two points for owner, because his goal didn't count. I'm not going to say I agree black and white fully, but in general, a play like that, where if they review it, and the call on the ice was that it was onside, and that his foot was still hovering over the blue line, and it wasn't like he swung his foot out like in midair to try and get onside, which is like my concern with allowing skates and sticks and arms to be in the air. There's, there's zero functional reason in a league where they are looking for more scoring for that goal to be disallowed. I get it. I felt it. I think something broke in me. I watched that. I went, no way. Oh my God. And it happened. And this is just Detroit. It happens all the time around the league. Yeah. So much so that it's not just me on the bandwagon anymore. They're talking about this. It's on the agenda for the upcoming GM meetings. There's movement to change this. Obviously, as much as I say, banish all replays, that'll never happen. But they are probably going to amend the rule. And my two points, so we can avoid crap like this is make the entirety of the blue line like Switzerland. Make it neutral. So as soon as the puck touches the blue, it's in the zone. I'm in, I'm in with you on that. It's, it's in the zone. And if Buddy's heel of his skate is just barely touching the other edge of the blue line, but the so the puck's touching the one side and the heel's touching the other side, that's on side. Both sides of the blue line are active. Yeah. As soon as that puck touches the blue, all everything's good. And I'm also for the plane. Um, if, if that skates two feet in the air, but it's a foot over the line, it's fine. I agree with everything. And I agree with the plane conditionally. I think during the play, I think if the referee sees a player's skate, not on the ice, he's allowed to call that offside. Like if a player's trying to swing his foot on side and like it's hovering over the blue line, I think he's allowed to call that offside. But if he thinks it's a good play, much like the Bertuzzi play, and his skate was on the ice, and he made that, you know, uh, splitting hairs call, and he called it a good play. And upon review, it turns out his skate was a millimeter off the ice. I think that should not be enough to disqualify it. Yeah, that would work for me. Cause I, I think that would eliminate a lot of the crap. Also, I think any body part should count over the blue line, too. Like, if you're, like, if you get, because players run that pick play to try and send guys offside, if you fall and get a hand on the line, you're fine. I, yeah, you know what? I agree with that. If you can fall and get a hand on the line, I think that's great. A hundred percent. And there's been a lot of rule changes because the offside review is uh, abhorrent. Uh, I'm assuming you saw the Matt Calvert play. Uh, we Didn't we talk about that? Did we talk about that yeah. where he's bleeding on the ice? So there's been an interesting... Yeah, we talked about it. There's been an interesting proposal. From Fridge. Yeah. Yeah, with the soccer rule, I think it was. I've seen a couple of proposals. One of them was a soccer rule. If you are down on the ice and they blow, blow the play dead because you're legitimately injured, that's fine. 
you're not allowed back on the ice for five minutes. So you can't just go down and fake an injury. So I'd, and a key point, right? I so, don't know very much what that would do, right? Because then you would just have like Dylan McElrath faking injuries. Yeah, but Dylan McElrath would never be on the ice with two minutes left in a one goal game. Okay, on this iteration of the Red Wings, maybe, but in in general, Ryan. For those of you who watch on YouTube, I hope you enjoyed that moment. <laughs> uh, no, I've seen that. I've also seen Friedman, uh, his proposal, which was a, basically a take on the helmet rule. And the helmet rule right now is if your helmet comes off uh, during play and you're not directly involved in the play, you have to go off the ice. But if you have the puck or are directly involved in the play, you can play on. You finish that, that. play. So as soon as the pass is made or the shot is made, you're you done. Go. Now, he said if a player is injured on the ice and the play needs to be stopped, for example, Vancouver and Colorado, if Vancouver was taking a shot or making a pass for a one-timer, they can take that shot. But if they're going to pass it around for like 30 seconds like they did, no, you blow that play dead. Yeah. And so I think that's the right move. So when the puck bounced off Calvert's head, I don't know who got it. Let's just say it was Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes is allowed to get that thing and just clap it on net. Yeah. If he passes up the shot and turns and puts it down to Brock Besser at the in the corner, no, plays dead. You're done. You had your chance. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the right way to yeah, do it. Yeah. I'm fine with either one of those rules just as long as we do something because that was horrifying. And, and it, it's if, on the agenda now. I've seen a few people say, well, this is a one-off or like, this is kind of like a crazy incident. And this is kind of just like when Matt Duchene was in Colorado. And that's why we have this whole offside debacle now. Uh, yes, you're not wrong. This isn't going to happen a ton where our players like bleeding almost motionless on the ice. No, but injuries where players are down and the play goes on super common. Yeah. And this is someone's health, right? Like how many times are you going to make this mistake before it gets scary? And before it's not even scary, it goes beyond scary and someone gets seriously hurt or your uh, inaction leads to something horrible happening on the ice. You, that's the last thing hockey needs. That's the last thing professional sports needs. And that's the last thing these players want. Player safety does have to be paramount. And this is just the simplest way to get it right. You can keep the play going and you can keep the player safe. It's a, such a, an easy solution in my mind. Um, what were we talking? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I want to get back to the offside rule. Here's my utopia. Sensors in the ice, in the boards, whatever. Finally, they put in... They don't even have 1080p cameras in the arenas, which drives me nuts. NHL TV is 720p right now. Holy hell. Um, but you put those sensors in the ice and you put them in the boards, which gives you a black and white, yes, no, computer decides quicker than any human eye can. This play was offside. The ref knows immediately and they can blow it dead. Or... If uh, they can't do it that fast, by the time the the play is reviewed, it can give them a definitive answer. Like tennis. Like the the tennis system is awesome. The reality is that doesn't exist. So I don't get to – the the realization I came to overall was that I don't get to ask fans like you who have been screaming for this for so long to keep dealing with these nitpicky goals getting called back like Hironic's goal when Bertuzzi went offside, just because I want the NHL to be something that it's not even close to being right now. Down the line, I would love that to happen. If they can be perfect, I think they should be perfect. I don't think we should artificially insert uncertainty for excitement, but if we can't be perfect, then we need to be reasonable. And I don't think where we're at is reasonable right now. And that is me changing my take. That is me saying, yes, Brad, you are right. I'm not even going to say conditionally because I think I agreed. We agreed with 95% of it now. I, <laughs> I watched that and I just, I honestly, I could feel it in my bones. I was just like, what is that? What? <laughs> I don't know why that one was different because it's not even the first time it happened to Detroit. I was just like, oh, God. Like, I get it. 
I really get it. I, I technically, <laughs> like, God, but God, you got, like, the ref called it, just let it go, you know? It's like, okay, I don't think the, the way the NFL is dealing with pass interference right now is No, correct. it's a disaster. It's stupid. But the notion of what they're doing is... Yeah, challenge it. We're not going to overturn it. We dare you to challenge it. No, no, that's bad. Because they're essentially killing a rule that they didn't want the owners to vote in. I know. But what the rule should have been is it has to be egregious for it to be overturned. Yeah. That's what the offside is. politically be. more politically correct way of putting it. By the way, I think Meek is watching that Athens U highlight video again. <laughs> oh, I, I thought I heard the goal horn. It was definitely the goal horn. And then I was trying to listen to the audio. I'm like, yeah, she's back on the Athens U. <laughs> I, hope she, I hope she gets to watch an Athens U goal tonight. The biggest, the biggest relief of... Ryan finally coming to the, I'm not even going to say the dark side, the correct side, is I, I can stop calling it offsides. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I can go back to, I said I was calling it offsides until common sense prevailed. Oh, we're here. Because <laughs> it's so painful, man. It is so painful. I think it took me 15 seconds to tweet at you, I hate offsides <laughs> after Ronick's goal is waved off. <laughs> oh, man. It's so to... bad that I almost have called it offsides a couple times. <laughs> I haven't done it, and I know the moment I do it, it's just game over for me. I will never live it down. That that waved off goal bumped Heronic from like 25th in defensive scoring from like, sorry, from like 18th to 25th in defensive scoring. It's so frustrating because it's such a beautiful snipe. He is, he is unstoppable. On the left side, shooting at the opposite corner. I don't. He, the way he frames his body, and he pulls in a stick at the last second to send the puck to that top right corner. It fools the best goalies in the league. Why well, he's got a delayed release? If you look at it, he shoots tends to shoot more off his back foot, and he he's got a quick release because he doesn't start his motion till the last possible second. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to explain without a video in front, but it's. He doesn't have the same one-time style that an Ovechkin does or whatever. It's his own unique thing. He's not – and because of it, he doesn't shoot for power. Like, he's got a good shot, but mm, I'd say there's probably five or six or seven guys on the Red Wings that have a harder 1T than him that have far lower success rates than he does. Yeah. It's because he changes the angle, the timing, the release point, and it – and with that curve he has on a stick, it he never gets a good spiral. It's all knuckle puck. Goalie can't read it. It's beautiful. Um, Hironic is legitimately like we. I'm very real about Fabry. I think he's a really good player. And I think he's an awesome pickup for the Red Wings if he continues to work out long term. I like Hironic is like the real deal. Like Hironic is a legitimate. Like he keeps us up. He's an undisputed top pairing defenseman. No, not like a defensive stalwart, but like he. This he's guy good is good defensively. You called him special, and I think that was correct. He's. So it's interesting. You Even if you go to the most rudimentary of stat, go to the NHL points page right now, filter by defenseman, and look at all the names surrounding Philip Hronik right now. Oh. He is an upper echelon NHL defenseman right now. And he's still... And he's still getting better. Yeah. Uh, Bill Peters, that we've talked about on the podcast before, he's got this rule that a lot of people agree by. You don't know what a defenseman really is or how good they truly are until 300 NHL games. Cool. Hronik hasn't even played 70 yet. Uh, Hironic is 25th, like you said, in overall defensive points. Okay, read off a bunch of the names directly above him and below him. Uh, Chris Letang, Jeff Petrie, uh, Jacob Slavin, Thomas Shabbat, Zach Wierenski, Jake Muzzin, uh, Michael Kempney, Darnell Nurse, Neil Pionk, and Devin Taves. Those are 10 down. 10. Those up. were the ones that were below him. 
Rasmus Dalin, Tori Krug, Ivan Provorov, Mark Giordano, Drew Doughty, Josh Morrissey, Quinn Hughes, Alexander Edler, Kevin Shattenkirk, Tony D'Angelo. Those yeah. are the 10 up. Tony D'Angelo has 15 points. It helps when you're QB number one on the power play. Good for him. Um, so, yeah, that that's the kind of company Heronik's keeping right now. And you could very much argue guys like Tony D'Angelo are defensive disasters. Heronik is not. Oh, yeah. I, right he, now, Heronik, with DeKaiser being out, I think we can comfortably say, uh, and Nemeth being out right now, as the roster stands right now, Philip Heronik is the best offensive and defensive defenseman on the Red Wings. Undisputedly. When yeah. Nemeth and DeKaiser comes back, I think they have him on the defensive side of the game. But but that what a great way to boost a player's defensive and offensive game is by alleviating the defensive load for him a little bit, especially when he's young and has to learn. Well, you said it all last season towards the end when they were together, how good Hronik and DeKaiser look together. And it's a shame they haven't got to play more because I think that Hronik's numbers might even be a tick up had he had a proper pairing. Cause, and it's, and this is also why you can't get too obsessed over the draft, even though we obs- completely obsess over the draft and we'll continue to do so. Yeah. Right now, the top two defensive prospects in the system are, not counting more insider, are Philip Ronick and Dennis Cholosky. Mm-hmm. In that order. And Philip Ronick and Dennis Cholosky were taken in the same draft, but Ronick was taken in the second round, about 30 spots behind Cholosky. I- so the draft is a crapshoot. I feel like so much of this podcast this year is just going to be keeping people measured about Cholosky because some nights he looks great. Some nights he's just like, Dennis, guy, what are you doing? He was all, all real bad against Ottawa. Yeah. Um, his, his partners did him no favors. But, okay, I'm going to say this. And I'm going to say this until I see something otherwise. I've been watching one player very, very closely since we had a conversation about him uh, a week ago. Man, you're, you're going to have a hard time talking me down on Madison Bowie right now. He's not bad. I'm not going to say good. <laughs> Is he Dude, top line good? Because that's why he might be tonight. He might be. He might actually be the second best defenseman dressing tonight. And that's <laughs> that's not even me being facetious. Um, he's, he, he's good for one idiotic mistake a game. But other than that, man, he is a tremendously underrated puck mover. Okay. Fair, which is what the Red Wings have been lacking. At what cost, though? I look. I I like your assessment on Bowie where he should be. If he can be a great third pairing defenseman, for the and Red I Wings, think he is now. I think he gets walked left, right, and center every every game. Red Wings defenseman gets walked. <laughs> Fair, but I, I, like, even Heronics had his moments. But you just know that he does not like when he has to play defensive hockey. I've not seen a player look that lost since. Oh, he shouldn't have to play defensive hockey, though. That's the thing. He should never be up against another team's top six unless he's on the top pairing with Philip Ronick, like he, he might, might be tonight. tonight. For context, we're recording this before the Columbus game. I'm not going to let you look at his evol- or his uh, evolving hockey oh, they're, chart. Oh, they're bad. <laughs> so many standard deviations down. Yeah. No, but again, outside of Ronick, ah, it's most of Detroit's defense. He has the decent offensive output from game to game where I'm like, yeah, I can see Brad's justification. Sometimes people think I hate him. I don't hate him. I just don't. I think people are riding a lot of hype for him when he came over in the Jensen trade. And I'm like, you have to separate the excitement of the trade. Yeah, the second round pick was the winning part of yes. that deal. But Bowie is turning out to be a pretty good sweetener because Jensen played a lot of bottom six minutes for us. So we got another guy to replace him on the bottom pair and a second round pick on this iteration of the Red Wings. It's fine to have Bowie because they currently have Jonathan Erickson playing up. Mike Green's injured again. Nemeth is on injured reserve. Danny DeKaiser's broken forever. Like, who else are you going to play, right? And for a guy, 
you're, I'm going to come out here and say he's bad defensively. Sure. But like you said, everyone's going to be bad defensively. If he's going to score from time to time or move the puck well, then that's great. I think that's fantastic. Just like you said, I think the Red Wings need to get to a point where he should be their sixth or seventh defenseman at best. Yeah, eventually. And that, well, that will happen when the team's healthy. He has been healthy scratch this year. But if we're looking at the long-term view of the Red Wings, which is what we're doing, would you be that upset if the right side of the Red Wings D for the next five years after this one is Heronic Cider Bowie? Uh, I would want to see a little bit more. I like Because uh, Tuomisto is a long time away, so we can't factor him yet. Lindstrom, man, I might be higher on Bowie than Lindstrom at this point. Uh, sorry, Arvey's not panning out. Someone's got to plug in that right spot. And I don't want to bring in some 31 year old depth guy to go in. Now that Ragul is out of the picture. Am I like just like an old fashioned purist where I want a defensive defenseman on the third pairing? Yes, you are. I'm, I'm cool with, if you want to pair him with an old fashioned defensive defenseman, that's fine. If, if the, if our, if in a few years we're really good, if our third pairings, Madison Bowie, Patrick Nemeth, great. That's a fantastic bottom pairing. I think, but, and a, but a legitimate bottom pairing. I think someone that bad defensively though would cancel out adding Madison or adding uh, Patrick Nemeth with him. Yeah. I don't know. But I, if you have Heronic, Cider, Cholosky, and let's just say the Red Wings sign a Tory Krug or another one of their draft picks pans out, man, that Bowie and Nemeth would never play a top six. I'm just like <laughs> they are getting third line and fourth lines out the butt. It's it's just such a philosophical conflict for me. I play defense, and so I value very much someone's ability to play defense if they're a defenseman. But the reality is, this is an offensive driven league. Uh, Brent Burns is constantly in the in talks for the Norris Trophy, um, and he is not a good defensive defenseman. Um, so I I kind of have to separate those two. So I see where I deviate from what might be reality here. So I, I definitely see your points and I'm not, again, I'm not upset to see Madison Bowie on the team. Of course, not. I mean, every Red Wing right now, every Red Wings defenseman is questionable at certain points. Um, and the top line thing was hysterical. Well, hold on, one last point about, because the thing with Bowie and why I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say excited. is not the right word. Cause again, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think Bowie's a savior. The tools are there. The deficiencies of his game are legitimately things that can be taught. A good coach should be able to teach Bowie to refine his defensive positioning, how to play his angles a little better, which are really his the only two criticisms I have of Bowie. Because mm-hmm. for as much as defensive deficiencies he has, he, he's not really a turnover machine like a Brendan Smith was. He has his moments, but not many. Um, he's only played 120 games in the NHL. Okay. So we got 150 more games to 180 more games to really figure out what Madison Bowie is. And I have to eat that because I constantly preach it. And so now I have to give him that grace before I can completely now, write him off. Mind you, if a Gustav Lindstrom really picks up his game and let's say we sign someone and all of a sudden the right side of our defense is crowded and Bowie's the odd man out and we have to jettison him to Arizona. Fine. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Do you want to know his uh, isolated impact chart? Bad. <laughs> uh, even strength offense is down 18% when he's on the ice. Even strength defense is that's fascinating considering he's has a pretty decent point total. And that's what you would expect him to be good at. You know he's not going to be good defensively. Yeah, defensively, whatever. That's a work in progress. by 12% and the heat maps are bad. It's all directly, it's all in the high danger. Mind areas. you, it's not if there was any Red Wings defenseman's heat map good. <laughs> that's true. Uh, he shoots 4% below league average. That's fine. Uh, takes way more penalties than he draws. Yeah, that's a criticism I've had of him for a while. Uh, with with how well he skates, you would think that would have been one of his strengths. 
again, it's that that's my that's where I get caught up. Is like I understand a defenseman of his caliber, you can't expect him to be heroic, uh, but you want him to get simple things right, not taking too many penalties, just being in the right spot, even if he can't make the right play all the time. Just put yourself in the right spot and pick up some fundamentals, and that I. I've not seen evidence of that being there or even developing in his time with the Red Wings. It's early and also much like the goalie situation, doesn't matter right now. No, it does not. At at worst, he's a placeholder. At best, he's on this team for twelve years and succeeding. Um, r- right now we're recording before the Columbus game. That's happening tonight. The New Jersey game is on Saturday, and then Carolina on Sunday. And then you'll hear from us on our next episode of the podcast. Oof, two critical games uh, in the lottery division absolutely. in the next two. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the Red Wings have a very good standing in the lottery division right now. Uh, yes, number one, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you are correct. Number one, and the teams that are closest to them have two to three games in hand. Uh, so the Red Wings are in good standing. Standing if you are advocating for Alexi Lafreniere, Quentin Byfield, Lucas Raymond, um, all of the above, all of make the some above. trades, Stevie. Get it. Get it <laughs> I mean, Ottawa has uh, their pick and San Jose's pick, and their San Jose's been on a bit of a heater, though, haven't they? I hope so because I do not they... want an Atlantic Division team having two players from this draft class. I'm pretty sure San Jose had a streak not that long ago where they rattled off like five wins in a row. Well, and... they're six and four in their last ten. There we go. Look at them go. You know who they're tied with in the standings with the exact same record? Ottawa. Ottawa. (laughs) Eight ROWs. Yeah. Yes. San Jose's worked their way up from to twenty fourth, and sitting right behind them in twenty fifth, as we all expected, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course. Well, who have four games in hand? Oh, oh, uh, Columbus. There goes my mic again. We really got to fix this. I think it's just a dude. It's just a twist tight. I it's tight as as tight as mm. it can go. Well, that's gonna get clipped. God yeah, and remember Dallas is a like disastrous start. Yeah, they are twelve eight and two. Uh, twenty six points sit in the playoff standings. Dallas currently holds the top wild card spot. Isn't it amazing how early in the season nothing makes sense and everybody overreacts? Well, just like Edmonton, they got off to that hot start and we're like, this is not sustainable. And now they're still number one in the uh, in the Pacific and tied for first in the West. So. That's because McDavid and Dreisaitl are both on pace for over 150 points still. Dreisaitl's a freak, right? We're we're in the just past the midpoint of November, where it's like what November twenty first today. Mm-hmm. Cool. McDavid and Dreisaitl already have over forty points each. We said that would be a fantastic season for Robbie Fabry. They got it by November twentieth. Uh, Dreisaitl's on for eight and a half million. Are we going to call an eight and a half million dollar contract the best value contract in the league? Because no, we might. <laughs> McDavid's might still be the best at twelve and a half. <laughs> um, I'm not. For those of you who are in our fantasy league, something I'm guilty of is dedicating all of my life and soul to my long-running uh, fantasy football league with my friends. Um, and so I often neglect fantasy hockey. And legitimately, the only thing that has salvaged my team at all is the fact that Dry Settle is my first pick. <laughs> That's it. And um, I picked 16th for all of you. I picked 16th and you let me have Dry Settle, you fools. I was torn between him and one other player when I was making my pick at 11 or 12, wherever I was picking. I'm not that disappointed with who I took. Who did you take? Pasternak. Yeah, that's not a bad pick. <laughs> yeah, he shouldn't even have made it that far, honestly. No. Uh, I think I forgot to set my lineup for the last week. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm playing Max this week, and I thought I set my lineup, and then I found Dreisaitl on the bench, so that was disappointing. Oh, it's Thursday. Crap. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. I've got three guys out tonight. Great. <laughs> uh, we're going to head over to Overtime, which is brought to you by... And I'm Mo- losing, as is tradition. It's brought to you by Motor City Garages. They're a family-owned and operated uh, company servicing Metro Detroit. They do garage floorings, cabinets, uh, overhead racks, wall storage, helping you with your fantasy hockey team while running a podcast, and car lifts. Enough of the messy garages everyone is sick of walking through. It's time to turn it into something useful. Whether you like to work on your car or if you'd like an organized space, we have you covered. 3D designs and a lifetime warranty motor city garages park in style we're gonna head over to patreon where a midweek episodes are patreon exclusive overtime comments so our patrons get right out here john evans says hello gentlemen greetings from ohio sorry to hear john uh i got to i get to see the red wings in columbus tonight and tickets were 16 dollars after fees gotta love this city out of curiosity what's the least you've seen tickets go for in toronto uh i've lived near toronto now for eight years and I haven't even looked because I know they're insane. I've never seen a ticket for under a hundred bucks, but I'm in the same boat as Ryan. I've never really paid attention. My friend, I was talking to my friend the other night, and he said he was uh, looking for uh, Toronto Boston tickets. His dad, it's like Mel's like family. Um, Greg was looking for tickets for uh, Toronto versus Boston because his dad's a Bruins fan and he's a Leafs fan. Gross. And the uh, cheapest seats he could find for like nosebleed, like. You're in the parking lot, FaceTiming the security guard inside. Like that's how far back you are. Was 186 dollars US. And the Leafs do the premium game charge too. I know this because I had to pay that the last time I went to see Toronto and Detroit. Detroit was considered a premium game. I'm sure that's changed now, but I had to pay 125 dollars for nosebleeds for that game, and that was in like 2013 or something like that. Darren Helm's only career hat trick, by the way. So I hot, the, the one where he fell into the boards and I was like, hey, there goes his shoulder again. Yeah. And then he scored two more goals. $250 well spent. Uh, sorry to rub it in your face. On that note, what brings you the most joy about your jobs, podcasting and otherwise? We get to talk hockey. Yes. My entire life is hockey. Yeah. I've, I've always like our day jobs. I try to put myself, I always try to be in a job where I can find passion or joy in the work that I do. Um, but doing this podcast has really allowed me the opportunity to feel okay about what I do at work, have it pay me a little bit more because I get to come here and do this. Like we get to talk hockey. We get to grow and build this podcast. We get to interact with you guys. And that just wasn't a thing before. So like it's the easiest answer in the world. And Evan likes to come here and shoot the shit sometimes. Also, I get to come here and talk Red Wings and not have to try and shoehorn them in every conversation I ever have. Oh, God, it's such a relief. I feel like that's what, like when we were first talking, like we had this uh, moment, like, oh, we were just so anxious to talk and we realized we were all the same way. We were like, oh, thank God we found solace in a sea of blue. That and the fact that Andreas Athanasiou knows who my daughter is now is the other peak. Yeah, that is <laughs> definitely your peak. He's tweeted through... Twice since 2017, since February 2017, and one of them was for my daughter. You know, next step is interview on the podcast featuring Mika as the main host. It's just Mika and him. We don't yeah. even show up for it. Austin Trotman says, with the Babcock firing, any chance he comes back to Detroit and would you want him? Any chance? I mean, yeah, of course. Him and Eisenman have a history. I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, would I want it? No. Yeah, he coached Eisenman for a year. Did he? Was it a year? 2005-06. Oh, we hired shit. Babcock yeah, out of the locker, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. That's right. Well, fun fact, on 31 Thoughts, Berkey said this, and I, I was really surprised. Burke came into Anaheim uh, as Babcock's contract ended. And so he's like, I never fired Babcock. I just let him walk. And he said, this is all coming from Brian Burke. So take it with whatever size grain of salt you want to. Um, he said, 
I I told that I told Mike. Uh, I know Detroit's approached you. I know they've done so even when, when they were, weren't supposed to. Like it was technically tampering. Uh, and I know your best buds with Ken Holland. Look, go make the deal with Detroit. Um, they'll treat you well. That's the kind of that's the style of hockey they want. It's not really that you don't really coach the kind of style of hockey I'm looking for. Um, go make that deal with Detroit, and that's how it went when he walked. And then he said, if Detroit hadn't approached or tampered, as he said it was, uh, he would have find, found a way to keep him because he's a good guy and a good coach. And I was like, I mean, I, I, a lot of that is Brian Burke's storytelling. But at the same time, it's a super interesting tidbit. It's kind of curious to see what would have changed that way. Brian Burke is a lot of things, but I don't think a liar is one of them. No, no. He, he, he's almost an obnoxiously straight shooter. That is a such a good way to put it if you're not a fan of Brian Burke. I, I can see past... I disagree with the guy on a lot, but I think he's so entertaining. Uh, but no, I think that's a good way of putting it. And so I, I I think that was an interesting tidbit. I think obviously there's tampering happens all across professional sports, no matter what the rules are. Um, but hey, good for Ken Allen because that got him a cup. Uh, what kind of return would you look for if we were to take on the CC contract or someone similar to him? Well, um, it's only one year on the CC contract, and we have cap space. So honestly, I do it for like a mid round pick right now. Yeah, I do a third or fourth CC. As painful as it is to say, would not be the worst re- defenseman on the Red Wings. <laughs> Don Mitchell says, "What's up, Dud Duds? Looks like Seattle has their coach Babcock to the Rain City. Uh, Babcock to the Rain City, and he'll lead the bitch pigeons to the Stanley Cup in 2022. <laughs> what is the worst take? The Wings should rehire Babcock, or the Wings should have picked up Schneider off waivers." Uh, the Babcock take. Schneider's probably, oh, well, I don't know his contract off the top of my head, but uh, as long as it's not long-term, Schneider would be an interesting reclamation project, considering the Red Wings don't exactly have a glut of goaltending right now. So For, oh, cap hit $6 million through 2022. Yeah, that's a no. Yeah. Okay, maybe the Schneider thing. Um, yeah, yeah. They're both bad, though. With Rasmussen constantly being pulled out of the lineup due to injury, at what point will the Red Wings brass pull the trigger and try and trade him? Uh, ooh, I don't know if he has much trade value right now. If he's often injured, other teams notice that too. You're just hoping that he gets it together and gets going. Uh, is Jimmy Howard finally crashing down to reality? Uh, the, and is the shell shock goaler done? I mean, any goal he's going to be barraged like that is going to regress to the mean. He had an overperforming season in terms of uh, how he should have performed based on the quality of shots against him, which were all high. Uh, and so I'm not surprised that he's playing like a goalie who's not young and is playing behind a very bad team. Uh, with the rest of the toilet bowl games, where do you stand on the thought of the jackets and devils just taking the two points? <laughs> I would save an injury. Cause that's all the Red Wings do right now is get injured. Uh, let's just have more games like the auto game where Detroit plays very, for the most part, pretty well, just has a couple insanely stupid defensive lapses and, uh, the goalies letting a couple soft goals and then you get zero points, but you're relatively, relatively happy with the performance. Let's, uh, let's get a couple of those back to back. That'd be, that would be fantastic. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate the off-season content. Oops, thanks for whatever this is. Cheers, Don. Haroon Khan says, hey, guys, do you think it's a good idea to trade for Barry, considering he's having a slow start and Toronto probably won't be able to sign him? There have been rumors of him getting moved, and if Toronto doesn't turn things around, maybe Toronto would uh, 
want Svetra Rasmussen plus a pick maybe for him. What do you guys think? Let's go Red Wings. Detroit is not in a position to be trading for any pending unrestricted free agent without an extension already in place. Tyson Berry will be 29 this next offseason, and he's going to want premium UFA money. Um, not keen on the Red Wings giving that up and signing a guy through age 36. If we're going to sign any defense free agent defenseman through age 36, I'm going to throw the money at Tory Krug instead. Yeah. If you, I guarantee if you see Steve Eisman sign a guy past age 34, it'll be for a Tory Krug level player or higher. Um, Garrett TV says, gents, it's time we stop totally uh, crapping on plus minus. Is it perfect? No, but neither are many stats. However, it should still be part of the conversation, a story of player performance. Athens is a good example of this. While his raw plus minus is extreme, his, his expected plus minus is also god awful. And all this, uh, despite him still leading the team in even strength offensive zone start percentage, even though the offensive zone rate is as low as it's ever been. Uh, and his expected goals for and goals against per 60 are also not great. Certainly not trying to just shit on a double a, but the recent reactions and dismissals of his plus minus are a dangerous recoil of understanding a player. Remember even super fancy algorithms can have flaws. Just take a look at the Apple credit cards, accidental gender bias. I'm not an analytics hater either. I'm in fact the opposite as I actually consult on this topic for a living. All things must be considered to some extent. Just be sure to get the pucks deep. Let's go Red Wings. Apple. Uh, I barely read the story, but I think the gist of it is, uh, I, I didn't even see the results of it, so I don't want to speak to it too much, but I think the gist of it is a, a guy and his wife, uh, both applied for Apple credit cards and she made more money and like had a better standing, but, uh, he was offered a substantially higher, uh, credit limit. Interesting. Um, um, anyways, um, no, it's analytics and even basic stats are very, very hard to utilize on a team like the Red Wings right now where a majority of the players that are going to be on the ice at any given moment are well below the where they should be playing relative. So it's one thing if you have a guy who's a minus 21 and everybody else in the team is like a plus 10. Athanasiu could be on the ice at any point. Like there's legitimately points where he's on the ice with Robbie Fabry and Philip, a line we're pretty happy with, and the defensive pairing behind him is like Dylan McGrath and Jonathan Erickson. Of course, everybody's metrics who are going to be on the ice are going to be bad, not necessarily as a result of them. Because offensively, if Fabry and Hathen and Sea are the guys who are only doing anything in a positive from a positive impact standpoint, everything else is just going to be a disaster. So th- that's why I'm I'm trying very hard this year to keep my eye very closely on the analytics to see where everything's going, but also keeping my eye very closely on the game itself to try and match them up as best I can because if you're on a good team or an average team it's a lot easier to use a lot of averages to see where everybody is relative when a majority of the team is bad it it's going to really skew things even from an isolated standpoint um my thing with plus minus is like I mean you dove into some deeper stats which are all very valid it's just such a people don't treat it with the nuance that you did in your comment and i i that's why i kind of want to deviate away from it uh, i see your point overall and i don't think you know an aversion of plus minus should be used as a blanket defensive a player i don't think that's quite it but um yeah between what you and what brad said i think it falls somewhere in the middle of what's reasonable it's just like this sometimes a- it's used as a bat rather than a tool you know this is a tank ride nothing is reasonable no and that's actually quite a good tagline joseph delia says sup my dudes do you think the league has adapted to more skillful teams like a toronto or tampa bay or do you think these teams are off to bad starts 
Uh, a little bit of both. It's early. Remember what we were just saying about Dallas being like one in seven at one point. And now they're comfortably in a playoff spot. Just takes some time sometimes. If Cooper is next gone, what are the odds he comes to Detroit? God, I hope 100%. Uh, there is no amount of money or willpower that Eisenman won't put forward. And it's completely on whether John Cooper wants to live in Michigan. That's it. Because that would be a great hire for the Red Wings. Uh, since Ryan always ignores me on Twitter, I don't I don't mean to ignore anyone. I just, sometimes I don't get to it all. Uh, are we allowed to call the second line the tan line? Because they're all as tan as us. Thanks, my dudes. I think by us, he means folks of uh, mine and his complexion. Uh, no, we're not. But it's funny for us. Uh, Matt Bocker says, hey, dud duds, what are the odds Babcock is back in the NHL by start of next season? Where does he go if he is? My bet is Minnesota. I think 90% start of next season, he's coaching again. Yes, if I had, are we are we guessing a team? I'm gonna say Calgary. I was gonna say Calgary too. I don't think Calgary will do midseason, I but think. I think if he's there in the offseason, they'll do it. If Calgary misses the playoffs, he'll be the coach before the draft. Kwaz says, "My goodness, the Madman did it." Shanny approving the canning of Babs. Back to the Red Wings. Remember when Brad said at the beginning of the year that this defense is gonna have injuries? I think the Wings took your challenge a little too close to heart, Brad. Yeah, boys, it wasn't literally a challenge. <laughs> So let's have a little fun. Who will we have on the blue line next season? Oh, God, who knows? Okay, so if we're assuming perfect health, what I think the Red Wings defense will be. So I got to remember off the top of my head who's still under contract because there's not That's a lot of them. look up right now. So we can comfortably assume that the left side will probably be Cholosky, DeKaiser, Nemeth. The right side will be Heronic, Bowie, Cider. I would say Cider. And then either we're going to have a big free agent signing like a Tory Krug in there or we will have a placeholder as the seventh defenseman maybe a Joe Hicketts Biega's gonna be gone Erickson's gonna be gone Green's gonna be gone Bowie might come back I don't know yeah I'm gonna say I'll even go to the pairings top pair Hronik de Kaiser second pair Nemeth Sider third pair Bowie Chalosky Oh no, poor Chalosky, man. Nobody said the team was going to be good next year, man. I would, I would prefer Cider Chalosky, but man, that might be a little risky. That that's a pairing that will happen one day, but I don't think next season will be the season. Mark says, "How's it going, boys? The kids in Grand Rapids are all uh, getting going. Zadina has climbed to third in points. Valeno is picking up his production. Insider is continuing his bid for the rookie points record for a defenseman oh, in the American League and got his first goal. Yeah, we didn't Great talk about that. Too, I know. No, the best part of the Selly wasn't even the Selly after. It was when he went to run the train up the bench. Yeah. Did you see that part? Yeah." It was good. I don't I even know that what that was. So it looked like he had a spasm on the ice as he I, got near the bench. It was I, great. Most lovable player in the Red Wing system by far. Uh, the future, I'm not saying something because yes. Dean is awesome. The future is bright. That being said, Wings fans who can't be patient during the rebuild either don't appreciate the sport of hockey or they're the most spoiled bratty children of fans in ho- all of hockey or both. Enjoy the ride, people. This is part of the process. That's all I've got, and I hope you all make it through all the hectic things going on in your lives smoothly, especially Evan. Not having kids, not moving, and going on vacations can really take it out on you. Uh, P.S. Ryan, I took a look in my mailbox every day for the shiny new Wingwheel Podcast bumper sticker. Oh, man. No, no, that's completely on me. I have not sent those. I've sent out a few of them, and then we bought a house, and it's just been... It's on my radar. It's on my list of things to do. We have so many things for the patrons and you guys in uh, December. <laughs> November's a write-off. We're sorry. I have to December is going to be a hell of a month. I have nine days to finish this re- renovation and move. If anyone wants to come, you can pick up your bumper sticker in person, but I'm going to put a paint roller in your oh, hand. I didn't even tell you my great news when I had my appointment with the specialist on Monday. Do you have to have surgery? No, but probably. Wait. 
so okay so to give you the breakdown of it basically i did as much damage as possible without tearing anything mm. so uh, i do not come out of this sling this weekend okay it's a four week sling now not a two week okay physio after uh i'm not cleared for hockey until january now contact probably not until mid to late january and if my shoulder comes given that my shoulder went out twice when it happened if my shoulder pops out again in the next three years it's automatic surgery and given everything that's happened the likelihood of me popping out my shoulder is very very high can't you get preemptive surgery they won't do it because nothing's torn mm. so but fix it, that. but if we do if i do it again it will and it's going to happen. Like, I'll sneeze and it'll come out one day. Oh, like, yeah. the doc was certain. He's like, I'm, we hope for your sake it doesn't come out in the next three years. But I think his words were, I'd be surprised if it doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's pretty much as bad a news as I could have imagined. Because instead of just having the surgery and getting it done with, I'll be living in constant fear. Every time I step on the ice or sneeze or pick up my kid until it happens will be constant fear and anxiety. I'm angry. Chris Smith says, I wish the Leafs would have given Babcock more of a chance. Maybe extend him for 10 more years. Sure, his team has been a giant disappointment and are underperforming at an insane level. You could even say he lost the locker room and they probably would have never won a cup with Babs. I don't see anything wrong with that. What is the likely li- likelihood that if after a year or two with nothing more than first round exits, we see the Leafs blow it up? People act like their defense is horrible, but I mean, Barry, Riley, and Muzzin are pretty good players and Anderson is a pretty good goalie. So let's play the Athanasiu one-for-one game. Special lease edition. Oh, this I'm is no longer so easy. I'm no longer okay with trading him. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's a member, honorary member of my family now. The answer to all three of these is yes. I'm going to give it to you, Marner. Of course, Tavares. Of course, Matthews. Of course, that was a easy. Actually, sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> Sean uh, Cheverella says, let's ask Mika. <laughs> my, she might say yes. Sometimes I ask her politely for Timbit. She says no. Um, Sean says, hey, guys, so with the Babcock being fired, people keep saying he's going to go to Seattle. No way that's happening. This man will not wait two years to coach again. He's going to end up uh, hired by team or he's going to end up being hired within six months. My guess is he ends up in Minnesota. Which team besides the Wings would be your worst case scenario for Babcock to go to? Uh, Chicago and he wins him another cup. Uh, Boston. Stefan or Stefan Stephen Clary says, "Hey guys, I'm not usually one to listen to radio, but had to when I was getting rides to work while recovering from knee surgery. During the commute, we had to listen to TSN 1050, and the only time they uh, wouldn't talk about the least stumbling out of the gate and how they have uh, have to have move, how they have to move Nylander seemed to be during a segment called uh, Jerry's Percentages. Basically, a guy doing a bad Batman impression. Oh, Gary's Percentages." A guy doing a bad Batman impression uh, presents hypotheticals and the hosts have to give a percentage chance of that situation happening. So here's a couple for you to try. Ryan, feel free to do a Batman impression. I don't know if I can do a Batman impression. I don't really know. I can do the physical yeah, like end the, of it. I don't think I can do his voice, but I can I can bobble my head the entire time I'm talking. We want these guys to have the best opportunity to play the best hockey that they can. Uh, we want to showcase our product. We definitely want to keep growing the game. I think we've done a good job of that. Don't forget the... Kind of leave your mouth open for a half second before you actually say anything. <laughs> uh, number one hypothetical. Give it a probability. Baby Chris goes number one pick in 2038. Hashtag tank for Hank. 100%. 150. <laughs> uh, he's actually going to get a special exception. 2037. Uh, he also agrees 100%. Number two. Leafs win the cup this year, giving more life to the notion that firing your coach midseason is a good thing. 20%. Uh, 5%. I think this will be... I 
still I hate the Leafs, but I still really, really like their roster. Leafs miss the playoffs and win a lottery. Two. Yeah, I would put it zero point one percent. Uh and he says one. Number four, Babcock signs with the wild. Before or after the season. I don't care. Ten and thirty. I'd say twenty percent total. Babcock signs with New Jersey. Five and fifteen. Forty percent for me. Uh Babcock's new team beats the Leafs through the power of spite, grit, and grind. Regular season game or playoff series? Regular regular season. Ninety eight. Playoffs, I think, is <laughs> can you imagine he beat oh man. If he beats Toronto the play in a playoff series, that city will burn. <laughs> that city will burn. Number seven, the Red Wings don't win a lottery and drop back. A hundred. Are you know, like eighty five percent, right? Like a ninety ninety five. I I just whatever the percentages that we pick sixth are. Uh, he says, P.S. Ryan, can we just demolish the world's worst McDonald's like King and Columbia and get it remade with some common sense flow process? My God, man, there's no thing I agree with more in the world. It's a wor- logistically, it is insane. The city for a city that has the worst layout of its roads I've ever been in. Somehow that McDonald's holds the worst left turn in the entire city, leaving that parking lot. We have a local patron. Oh, yeah, we have a few. Uh, Rowan says, good day, Ryan, Rob, and Evan. I have to say using Mika to pander for positive attention is a new low, even for you clowns. It seems like every week people are, are telling you how good you are, and I'm just not about that, so we need to level it, level it out a bit. Hey, dummy, how's the shoulder? No one cares. Hope you plan on going to the revenge game versus Tavistock, hammering a few tinnies and just becoming abusive. That's the content we really need, not whatever this nonsense of a talkie show is. Red, oh, Wing, Red Wing's bad. Yeah, we get it. I'm down for throwing some stuff on the ice. Other dummy, how's the house? Yawn. You signed up for it. Don't have a souk about having to do some actual work for once. Just get on with it, and when you inevitably put a nail through your hand or fall off a ladder, that's the story you want to hear. Don Cherry bad. Yeah, we know. (laughs) Next. Third dummy, are you even there, or are you too tired to even bother coming anymore? Golf is also dumb. Stop it. If you haven't played golf and had to dodge kangaroos and venomous snakes, you've never played golf. Someone is on a heater. Yeah, we noticed because we pay attention. Get some new material. Oh, man. Rowan went deep this time. <laughs> Jersey time. Most of your takes have been good, have been so-so, and since we are playing the Cannon team, this is your reminder that the Cannon jersey is excellent. Arjun said he'd go halves with me on an assault charge when we see you, Rob. When you're feeling particularly abusive, huff some paint out of a Stay Fresh cheese bag before your online rant. Stay Fresh cheese bags, a Fournier company and internet menaces choice. Now, I've missed a lot of their inside jokes before, so this isn't the first one, but where does Rob come from? Someone called you Rob on Twitter, and I can't remember who it is, but it's very funny. Did I miss that? Yeah, it was it was buried in the comments of uh, when we were trying to get Kami on the show. Okay. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll find the tweet for you later. Okay, thank you. Jacob Lozen says, Sup, Dud Duds. Seeing as how the Leafs are on a six-game losing streak, Arizona game to be determined, sitting outside of the playoffs and Mike Babcock has been fired, is now a good time to bring back Steve Dangle. Oh, yeah, we got to have him on soon. Oh, shit, yeah. We actually probably should have had him on this episode. If we had if we had an ounce of time in our lives, we would have had him on this episode. I'll shoot him a message on Friday or Saturday to see if he's free for Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Michael Barry says... Uh, this is, I think, from last week. It says, hey, guys, I know we all want last place for Lafreniere. However, would you prefer the pattern we are losing this streak, this season going streaking, or would you like us to be more inconsistent with our wins and losses? Uh, I think 10-game streaks are kind of painful. Yeah, 1-10-1. Let's not do that again. That was hard. Uh, and then we have another question that came in last second. I'm just going to load it here. Um, Chris Stangline says, okay, I'm not saying Mike Babcock is a bad coach, but convince me that he's a good coach. 
Uh, Smart with Systems can take a veteran team that's built from the blue line out and do a lot with it. Um, not good for young teams, not good for offense-heavy teams, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a good systems mind. Um, as long as he's got a balanced lineup, he could do well. With that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. We're going to watch the Columbus game. We are going to recover Evan's body, and we are going to see you again on Sunday. We'd like to thank all of our listeners, our patrons, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Ryan Lewis, Sean Levine, Matt McKay, Hannah Lee, Kaylin Wood, Jacob Turner, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Craig Kipple, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, and Simon Anderson. Thank you all so much, guys. We were so close to the new studio. We were so close for uh, us being able to finally do more things again once we get our eight hours of sleep back in our lives. And uh, we are so close to doing even more cool things with this Winged Wheel podcast. So until Sunday, enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.